0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is
1: Believe. What's up, everybody? It's your boy, Thunder Chats here, coming to you with our presenting sponsor once again, BetOnline.ag. It is your number one source for all of your basketball info, stats, news, and scores. Get the latest odds and lines, including the latest player reports for this year's Pro Basketball Playoffs. Bet online is your always your sports information headquarters this season as we have you covered for all your sports wagering needs. Basketball, MLB, NHL, hockey, right to UFC and boxing. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info including live betting options and your favorite casino and card games you can play right from your home head to the website today or use your mobile device to get in on the action be sure to use our promo code b-l-e-a-v that is capital letters b-l-e-a-v believe to receive your 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit bet online where the game starts And welcome back, everybody, to another edition of the Top of Thunder podcast. I'm your host, Dylan Hunsinger, at Thunder Chats. We are part of the beweave Network, and this podcast is brought to you by betonline.ag. Fun fact, I don't think about me having to say that before I say it. It just kind of comes out like word vomit, <laughs> like in succession. So. Uh, sorry, I just, I just felt the need to draw attention to that. Guys, we are still doing our draft coverage. We have our second guest on today. We're in the thick of it. We're diving deep, but first, before we get to our guest, we got to get to the one, the only, the
2: compadre,
1: the Alejandro, Alex Roig. What up, Alex?
2: What's up, man? What's up? Hey, if we uh, if we ever change our our ad partner, you're gonna you're gonna have a rough time with that, man.
1: Don't you put that evil on me, Alex? Don't you put that evil <laughs> on me? <clears throat>
2: but hey. We are brought to you
1: by BetOnline.ag today. So let's let's just stick with that and let's get into our guests. So for our guest today, joining us today, he was a student at Oklahoma State University. He has amassed nearly forty-two thousand eight hundred subscribers. He's a scouting savant, the dominator of the draft, the paramount of prospect evaluation. He is a friend of the pod, has the coolest name of anyone we've interviewed, and is the king of NBA Draft YouTube. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. Friend of the pod, Hoop Intellect, Keandre! I appreciate it. That's uh, that's
0: definitely the best intro that I've gotten. So um, should, should be in for a good show here.
1: There you go, man. You know the deal. I I missed last year. You know, I think, I think uh, my son's in the hospital then Jerry, you know, he read my words, but I'm sorry, Jerry, you don't got my energy. You don't got my energy. So now, now that you feel the energy, let's get into it, man. Before we get into the draft talk, obviously top of thunder podcast, we got to talk a little bit of thunder. It was a crazy year. Just uh, kind of like your overarching thoughts on the thunder. Like, you know, what did you see from like an outsider's perspective?
0: Yeah, you know, I think there was a great, a great season for the Thunder. They overachieved in pretty much um, every way that we kind of expected coming into the year. I thought they might be a, a another team that could, you know, at least I thought they were going to to be a little bit better than people talked about, you know, being mm-hmm. in the, the number one, the top three sweepstakes. But I thought they would still be in the middle of the lottery somewhere. And they obviously were right there, almost nearly getting into the playoffs um, through the play in. Um, and then we we saw a, you know a lot of growth from a lot of players. Everybody from Shea, you know, taking his jump the way that he did to you know Jalen Williams from the well J Dub from the beginning of the season to the end and how he you know finished second in the Rookie of the Year um, as a back end uh, lottery pick. And then you know Josh giddy you know made his improvements as well and just the, the whole team as a collective even with Chet Holmgren out um, it was a, a big success. So I mean, there is a lot of reason to be excited, and especially heading forward with all these picks, with the you know the lottery picks this year, and uh, or the lottery pick this year, and then the, the seconds. I think that they are in perfect position to to you know make that next step and kind of be one of those perennial playoff teams. So it's exciting to see, and I'm really uh, you know as a like neutral fan at this point, mm-hmm. I'm excited to see it because <clears throat> there was all this talk around the Thunder being the the black eye of the league. Um, going nowhere, they're wasting Shay's future, like all this kind of, all this stuff. And I said it at some point, I might have said it on this podcast last year, the rebuild was going to go way faster than, I didn't expect them nearly getting to the playoffs this year, but it was going to go way faster than people were expecting mm-hmm. um, just because of the talent that they had. When you have a lead guy like Shay being able to to carry you on most nights, um, so, you know, being able to see that and them kind of prove a lot of the the you know, general consensus around the team wrong. I I thought that was you know good to see.
1: Yeah, for sure, man. And you know, obviously, you know, those are the guys that played this year. We were we were missing. There was a very big hole missing in this team in Chet Holmgren. Uh, you know, obviously as a talent evaluator, you covered Chet last year. Like you know, you had you broke down his video and everything like that. And obviously, you saw what he did in the summer league. Um. What what does a guy like that do for this Thunder team going into year two?
0: Yeah, I mean he's perfect, honestly, because obviously he was the second pick for a reason and he was in contention for the number one pick the mm-hmm. entire time, you know, <clears throat> he was playing in college. But, you know, just somebody who can can bring that, you know, weak side, rim protection and being able to to be a big body, somebody who can finish plays around the rim with a little bit more ease than some of the other bigs that have been um Around the team in the past, and also having such a versatile skill set and being able to do so many things well and being able to pass the ball, shoot it. And obviously, we got to see a little bit more of that in in summer league last year um, before he got hurt and was out for the season. Mm. But, you know, he's somebody who I think fans have a reason to be really excited about. Um, especially given that he's had an entire year in an NBA organization and being able to to kind of learn the ropes and, you know, travel with the team and being able to, you know, have a, a year of strength and conditioning as well. Yep. I think that he's in perfect position to kind of take off in his, you know, <clears throat> rookie year, but year two of actually being, um, you know, around the NBA and uh, pairing him with what we saw from J-Dub and then whoever they picked this year. I think this just, you know, a perfect kind of time to, to be a Thunder fan.
2: Yes, sir, man. So, so uh, enough talk about next year's rookie of the year winner. <laughs> Let's go ahead and move on to the second and, pl- and probably third place finishers for next year's rookie of the year uh, <clears throat> title. Um, so, okay, so we all know that number one, Wemby's going to go number one. You know, we know that already. Um, but if you're a GM who didn't get the number one pick in the lottery. Uh, what's going to be too much in terms of a bid for Victor Wembanyama? Like, let's say you're number three. Let's say you're the number three team in in the in the lottery order, but you really, really, really want this guy, and you really have a lot of assets. What is too much for for Victor Wembanyama? Yeah,
0: you know, it's a, it's going to be a really interesting thing to kind of weigh in and and try to figure out because you have to convince that first team to give that up. The deal has to be enough to um equal or make them want to give up or or take that gamble we would say um so you know i I honestly don't really know i guess it would just depend on a specific team before i'm looking at the lottery order right now let's say like a uh, a team like i don't know i guess you would say like let's say houston got number three and they give up a lot of their picks because i know they own a lot of the nets picks in the future Mm -hmm. it's like Jalen green um I mean, they would be actually be an interesting kind of team for this because they do have so many interesting young players. Like, do you give up Jalen Green and Jabari? I think you probably do. And then how many picks is that that you would kind of uh, try to compensate for, you know, make it up for for Victor Wimanyama? But I think somewhere in that where you have ideally more of an established younger star or budding star and then, you know, picks to compensate, and obviously number three as well. That's where we have to start, like kind of getting into it for Victor Wembanyama. But um, yeah, it's hard because then you kind of almost have to like multiply that a little bit to convince that that other team that that is that's what you want to do. So
2: I almost feel like like the perfect scenario in this would be if the Spurs got number one and then Houston got number three. So I think the Spurs right. know that this is going to be this is going to be a rebuild, and they want to get as many pieces as possible. And so I do think that. You know they don't necessarily want to get Wimbayama just right now and not have anything around him. They'd much rather have like a whole bunch of pieces and then move forward from that and then give Houston, you know, Wimbayama and go and go from there. So I, I do think that scenario could play out and it could be you know a lot of people see that and just like you know their eyes will raise. But I, I I do think there's a there's you know there's some smart GMing going on if that, if that does happen.
0: Yeah, they would definitely be making that call at least. Like I think mm. you know even if we don't hear about it in the public, like I think that's definitely something teams are going to you know say hey like what could we possibly do here and you know maybe that first team just hangs up every time but Mm -hmm. you know I think they'll at least try
2: and I wonder I wonder if the rumblings about Jalen Green are just them kind of being preemptive and saying hey we have this young guy that we can dangle if we want to move up in the draft so
0: not a bad move definitely
1: yeah you know obviously Wimby's gonna be number one we covered that like he's 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 like calling him a unicorn is a disservice to the term unicorn. Um, But let's talk about number two. So it feels like recently people have been trying to pick uh, Scoot Henderson's game apart, uh, trying to find a reason that he shouldn't be the number two pick. Uh, How do you feel? How did you feel about Scoot's season? And why or why not? Is that indicative of how he'll be in the NBA?
0: Yeah, you know, I felt like Scoot, you know, all things considered, Scoot was still really good this year and showed a lot of the reasons that we you know have kind of pinned him as the second overall pick or coming into the season a guy who could contend for the first overall pick obviously that kind of changed throughout the year um but you know he had some injuries that he dealt with you know throughout the year Mm -hmm. he had kind of a he didn't get a chance to get like a full rhythm um over the course of the year and it affected his play he wasn't as effective as a shooter as we wanted to see now when you look at things based in comparison to last year he improved still a ton he shot like i don't want to get this number wrong but it was a pretty low number 20 something percent from three um his first year with the ignite and jumped mm. up to you know around the 30s depending on which game sample size that you're using um so that was positive and in in terms of form earlier in the year i was you know really digging what he was doing um but, you know, just the the combination of things, I was still really impressed by what he does, and I still would take him as the clear-cut number two guy. Um, I understand why people have considered other people in that sort of position because of, you know, let's let's talk about, you know, just wings or um, some uncertainty in, you know, him as a shooter or, you know, just not being able to see him as much. You know, some other guys are on ESPN three times a week playing in the, the NCAA tournament. It's kind of that always is a a natural bias that happens. But uh, for me, I just think, you know, his combination of size, you know, athleticism, ability to to create an advantage and make plays for others and also, you know, score the ball well from the mid-range, you know, starting to add that floater and everything. He's just one of those point guard prospects that um, we've seen time and time again become a very high-level player um, from from levels of De'Aaron Fox to, you know, the John Morantz. Those, that's the, the type of caliber of prospect he has a chance to, to become in the league, in my opinion. So.
2: Do you think that sometimes like playing on the G League Ignite can sometimes neuter a little bit of somebody's game a little bit? Because, for instance, Scoot Henderson is a great point guard, but he doesn't, he didn't really have the team around him this year with the Ignite to kind of show out all his strengths that he has.
0: Yeah, I think this year's team was really interesting because I do like – obviously, I like Scoop. I think C.D. Sissoko is very interesting. Mm -hmm. I think Leonard Miller is an interesting prospect as well. None of them – you know, we can go on like Mojave King and F.A. They're all really solid talents, but none of them like really fit together quite in the way that you would like love for like just team – basic team building, especially playing the full G League schedule. Um. So to a degree, that was kind of a, a thing that was going on at the same time, uh, especially as they got to see him. They want to give reps to those other players as well yeah. and get them, their you know, their developmental reps. But um, I think the team before the, his first year when you had Dyson Daniels, you had Jaden Hardy, that team kind of fit just a little bit better together. Yeah. But I, I do agree to, a, to an extent. I feel like sometimes it just kind of <coughs> works out that way where you have a, Uh, the first year Jalen Green and Jonathan Kaminga kind of trying to do very similar things at the same time, trying to figure out, you know, who is more equipped, better. Yeah, exactly. More equipped to do certain things. And you also have Dacian Nix in there trying to handle the ball. You also have a vet like Jared Jack in there trying to, you know, get everybody into position. And then this year you've got, you know, Pooh Jetter, um, you know, veterans like John Jenkins trying to, you know, fill in the gaps to certain things. So it is, it's a, it's still kind of a work in progress uh for long-term trying to put these prospects in the best situations. But you know, all things considered, I think it was it was decent, but there is some of that there for sure.
1: Uh, kind of staying with Scoot and you know in this like topic of conversation. Um, you know, obviously Julie Knight's been around for like three years now. Um, how how do you view, I guess, evaluating prospects? On the G League night compared to the college game, and do you think that they've been successful in you know kind of grooming these players for the NBA?
0: I think they have for the most part. I I think there's been specific prospects who probably should have gone a different route. Deshaun Knicks, like we mm-hmm. mentioned earlier, is one of those guys. Michael Foster is one of those guys who kind of got lost in the shuffle of the Jalen Greens, the Kamingas, and also that year. I don't necessarily blame that completely on them because it was a COVID year. They played like 15 games yeah. in the G League bubble. It was like, what do we really get from this in, uh, overall? Um, but for the most part, I do think that this is a great situation. I think competition-wise compared to college basketball, it's much better. And I think a lot of people don't necessarily recognize that for some reason because we'll go we'll go one year. We have Travion Williams, for example, Purdue – um borderline all-american for for the end of his college career right mm-hmm. he goes into the g league he's a sixth seventh eighth man right and that player for whatever reason is kind of seen as less than than who he was in college even though he was better on this level because it's a lower level um so that kind of goes across the board these are pros these guys have been doing it for a very long time yeah this is a lot different level they're, they're everybody's trying to get to that nba level so mm-hmm. um it's definitely, it's definitely a different game than what you're going to see in college, so it's, mm-hmm. you got to have certain things to juggle. But as for competition, it's, it's far superior, and I think a lot of people don't necessarily recognize that.
2: Gotcha. So the consensus, or what has been the consensus, third guy on that list um, is Brandon Miller uh, out of Alabama. And so he's been the subject of a lot of controversy here lately, but – Number one, what is your read on that situation so before we get into like his his draft stock or anything like that, what's your read on that situation is that something that teams should be worried about um heading into the future
0: yeah i th- I think based on you know all the information that has come out um it's pretty much unless something new comes out it's pretty much just we gotta move forward and and um teams are going to do their due diligence and try to, you know, talk to as many people as possible to figure out who he is, who his character is. If this was, you know, a one-off situation or, you know, whatever else it is from his perspective that the public might not actually get to hear. Um, but other than that, it's just kind of a, a situation where from, from this vantage point, you just have to, to take it for what it is and, you know, what, um, came out from his his lawyers and and all that and just move forward from there. Um but that's really that's really all we can do at this point. Um as for his like draft stock, I don't I don't at this point I don't think it's really gonna affect it uh too much. I think teams are just gonna be able to 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 do what they need to do. And um if they find something or a reason that they feel like he won't be successful or he's going to there's something else that's going to happen in the future then you know it'll happen and we will kind of know that, but outside of that, I think it's just, it is what it is.
2: You think he's worthy. So I don't think he would be ever be worthy of being picked above Wemby, but do you think he's worthy of being picked above uh, Scoot? I think I, I wouldn't
0: personally, I know people who would consider it. I do think it is interesting if Detroit is the team that gets number two, because you have Jaden Ivy, and Cade and the successes they've had. You kind of want to put them in a, in a, in a great situation. Right. But at the mm-hmm. same time, I do think that Scoot is the type of prospect that, you know, maybe you have to shuffle things around and just kind of pivot a little bit, try to see if it works between those three. Cade going up to small forward, maybe playing off ball a little bit more and trying to figure it out. If it doesn't work, then you, you know, pivot trade one or, or whatever the case may be. But at the same time you have a guy like Brandon Miller who next to Ivy and Cade kind of seamlessly fits in big shooter on the wing can handle it a little bit. Um, so it's definitely something to at least consider in some way. Um, but for me in a vacuum, I think, you know, Scoot is the, is the guy
1: too. Yeah, for sure. And, and you know, that kind of even plays into if the Thunder were to get to like, you know, we have Shea, we have Giddy and, you know, we even have Jalen Williams and, you know, we have other guys that handle the ball, but, if we know anything about Presti, he's going to take whoever he thinks the best player is. And, yeah. you know, aside from like, you know, the legal stuff, like, you know, if, if, if everybody just had a clean slate, and it know, Scoot Henderson, Brandon Miller, I believe my heart of hearts, Presty's just going to take Scoot Henderson and figure it out. Because, you know, like you said, you don't pass up on a talent like that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we, we've, we've talked to, we're blue in the face about Wimpy and Scoot and Brandon Miller, <laughs> I'm sure. But like this draft has a lot of depth in it. So, um, outside of the top three, not specific for the Thunder, but for you, Key Andre, who's your favorite prospect?
0: Yeah, so I think you know I, it's hard for me to choose because I do this all day. So it's yeah.
1: like I, I like a lot of different players. <laughs> that's, that's
0: fair. Yeah, so I'll give you I'll give you two. Okay. One is because I know him personally. I know Grady Dick. Um, oh, nice. He. Oh, y'all
2: y'all are from. Y'all no, from Wichita, right?
0: Yeah, both from Wichita. I went to, I yeah. played with his older brothers in high school. Um, he played with my younger brother. Um, so, you know, that's obviously a close connection that you don't, you don't have you know often. That's um, cool. And I also I also really like his game as well. But mm-hmm. I'm obviously biased in in some ways. There, I also my other guy though is Maxwell Lewis. Um, okay. Out of Pepperdine. I'm a big fan of his. I really like his game. Um, I think he's somebody who has become <clears throat> a little underrated as the season is going on, as the process mm-hmm. is going on. Now he didn't perform as well as he did at the beginning of the year, but I definitely think he is somebody who teams should still value in that top twenty range, as opposed to like late first or even you know early second in some spots. Um, as a as a six seven wing who can you know handle it who has gotten a lot better as a passer and who ha- who has proven that he can shoot the ball um, mm-hmm. in a lot of different ways. And um, it was kind of a, a a bad situation, not necessarily bad, but everybody was kind of underperforming as a unit. They have a lot of talent there offensively. Mm-hmm. They couldn't put it together defensively. <clears throat> they were in some games, things got out of hand towards the end. So I think that was part of, you know, people losing some, some, uh, favoring him, mm-hmm. but he's definitely somebody who whose game I like and I think is, you know, someone who uh could end up being a steal. All
2: right. All right. So um so we are in the lottery, the Oakland City Thunder. Uh currently sitting at twelve. That is, you know, of course before May sixteenth, before the draft lottery. Um but we could jump into the top four. But more than likely it'd be in the twelve to fourteen range. So as of right now, for that range, for that 12 to 14 range, who are you looking at? Who do you think probably will be there and probably fits with the thunder the best in that range?
0: Yeah, so maybe
2: even your maybe even Grady Dick. You know, right. You think he'll be there at 14?
0: He's definitely somebody who could end up being in that range. <clears throat> I feel like his stock rose quite a bit towards the end of the year. I think he like he has a lot of um buzz in at like top eight ish nine ish range now Mm -hmm. um but i still think he could be one of those people um i think this draft is going to be really interesting after like about four we also have like the thompson twins in there to kind of you know shake things up and they have still you know certain questions um the teams are going to be interested in kind of uh answering or figuring out but i think for the thunder specifically you've got um Players like Jairus Walker, uh, Kayson Wallace, Anthony Black, Taylor Hendricks. Um, you got Keontae George, uh, Kobe Bufkin, Jalen Hood, Shafino, Jordan Hawkins, Derek Lively. Those are some of the, the, the greater, you know, sort of prospects that should be in that, uh, 12 to 14 ish type of range that Thunder, um, uh, may very well fall into. And, um, one of those names I would be – and there's also a couple more I know that we we might talk about that could sneak into there, um, but those are some of the, the like, ones you're going to see most on on mocks yeah. in that sort of area.
1: Gotcha. Who, who do you like most out of those players to, for the Thunder?
0: Yeah, so I like two of them very specifically uh, for the Thunder. I think they fit excellently. Um, first one is Jairus Walker. I just yes. released his scouting report. Um yesterday or two days ago, I can't remember. Um and he obviously as a, a 6'8 dude out of Houston, you know, very physically built, uh, can kind of slide into that four spot very well. Um he's a he's a very underrated passer, but what he brings to the table first and foremost is defense both on and off the ball. Um, I think he, you know, It depends on what what direction the Thunder kind of want to go into with Mm -hmm. is Chet going to play the five. Is he going to be more of a four? Like, where do you want to, you know, how do you want to play that? I think they're going to probably figure that out in the first several games, the next season. Um, And maybe over the next several seasons to kind of see what that looks like as he grows Mm -hmm. physically. But Jairus is somebody who I think matches a lot of the energy that they need in that spot. and. You know, he's unselfish. He can knock down a shot. And especially, you know, working with OKC's Chip England uh, on his shot and, you know, developing that even further as a perfect position for him to be in. So he would be my number one guy to to hopefully fall into that range. Now, he might not be um, be there at that point. And maybe he's a trade up candidate because, you know, he's got a they've got a bunch of picks and they could, yeah. you know, potentially sway one of these teams to to make a move. um but he's definitely high on my list. The second guy is in that same similar sort of vein, and that is Taylor Hendricks out of UCF. Taylor Hendricks, a little I'm bit sorry. taller. Um, a little bit taller. He's a more natural rim protector. Uh, he's a little bit bouncier around the rim, can finish lops uh, with more ease, but the same kind of general role. Uh, Jairus Walker can do a little bit more off the dribble, but you know Hendricks as a, uh, a floor spacing for being able to to really cover a lot of ground defensively, uh, guard on the perimeter, um, and just really add some some backside help and being able to maybe eventually even play some minutes at the five um, and, and hold up down there or you know even you know transit depending on the lineup being able to slide down to the three at certain points. He's somebody who I really like for this Thunder team. I think he would fit perfectly, and the likelihood that he's there is a little bit more than Jairus. I think he's still somebody who could climb into the top 10. Mm-hmm. Um, but those would be my, my main two targets for the Thunder. Uh, Grady Dick is an, is another guy who I think would be um, really interesting for the Thunder. I think he fits most places. So if you're looking for a, a big wing shooter who can you know do a little bit of everything, he's definitely the guy um, that you want to look at.
1: Yeah, for sure, man. And, you know, I I released on Twitter, and we talked about it on the podcast too, we did like a toe-deep toe deep draft take where, you know, like we're, we're just starting to get into the draft stuff, you know, we're fresh off the season. And I'm going to update it, like, you know, ankle deep, knee deep, waist deep, like throughout the season, you know, the more, you know, we get into prospects. But one of the things I said was if, if we're going positionally – there's four guys on one, and two of those guys you named, Jairus Walker, Taylor Hendricks. The other two guys I named was Cam Whitmore, Azor Thompson. Obviously, Azor Thompson's more of like a potential play, but um, how do you feel about Cam Whitmore uh, as a player and also as a potential fit for the Thunder?
0: Yeah, I like him. I think he's he's uh I like, I like him a lot actually, and I think that he's somebody who probably I would take higher, much higher than. The yeah, ratings, but, up. yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. But I do see certain mocks and everything and still have him at like nine, ten. So he could be a potential mm-hmm. guy who could could fall to that range if the thunder were to land as well. But you know, as a physical, you know, super athletic wing, um, who is able to to you know score the ball and create for himself as well, he's definitely somebody who I think could fit well into what you know, what the Thunder have going on, um as well. And then, you know, a star also just with his athleticism ability to defend on the at the point of attack and you know make plays in a lot of different ways just kind of being able to to cut and move around what Mm -hmm. you know shay and and giddy and j dub are able to do with the ball and you know maybe he handles the ball a little some as well i think that he's somebody who could be interesting in in this thunder situation he's another one who would be a trade-up candidate but Mm -hmm. uh yeah definitely players who kind of fit the the kind of mold and what the Thunder have going on.
2: So we've kind of touched on a lot of trade up candidates. Is there anybody that you see out there that maybe you've heard a little bit of the rumblings or maybe you know you just see maybe other players are starting to to move up a little bit, which of course would cause other players to kind of start to bump back down. So are there any players out there that you think are projected higher now, but that could fall to the Thunder come draft night? at around 12?
0: Yeah, I, it's really difficult because I think there's a lot of moving parts to kind of predict who that is. I think there's a decent chance like Asar Thompson could end up falling just a little bit, Mm -hmm. um, just with some general uncertainty in, you know, OTE or um, just what he brings to the table, I guess. That would be one. Um, The others, though, I think that, for the most part, it's not going to be too, too many guys who like, like a, let's say a a Brandon Miller falling down or uh, we talked about cam. I think that maybe that could happen. Mm -hmm. Uh, But other than that, I don't, I don't really see like Jerry necessarily falling all the way down to 12, 13, 14. Um, But yeah, that's, that's kind of how I see it
1: yeah for sure uh kind of staying with the thompsons here like kind of going off script on this because uh mm-hmm. we had the tyler's uh record metcalf from no Ceilings on our last podcast and i kind of want to ask everybody that we have on this question because i think it is an interesting like conversation you know obviously azor and amen played in the overtime elite league and i i just kind of want to get your take on what can you take away from you know the games in the overtime elite because It kind of feels like they came into a stacked deck. You know, it's not just them on their team. They had Trey Johnson, who's one of the best players in the league. They had uh, Eli Thompson, who's, like, knocking down three or four threes a game. And, obviously, you know, they won the championship. Like, they did what they were supposed to do. It feels like every other team has, like, one star player, and, you know, the rest are kind of lower level. Like, what what, what can you take away from that?
0: Yeah, I feel like, you know, at the beginning when they had – Trey Parker, they had Jacai Howard. It was a little stacked towards the City Reapers team, the Thompson Twins team. They made some trades in the mid in the middle of the season, some trades in the middle of the season yeah. to kind of even the balance. And I thought it was, you know, decent. I think overtime as a as a whole did a much better job this year than they did, you know, the first year in kind of creating a, a basketball environment that actually was focused on the development. Mm-hmm. Um and not necessarily kind of pitching a program or a show to an Amazon to get high, picked up A, a, high, a
2: yeah, a right. highlight and
0: um, kind of, you know, branding it in that way. But, you know, in terms of like the competition level, it's obviously not going to be as good as, as college, but what we've seen from a lot of these guys, you know, a lot of, they got a lot of four or five star talent, to, to come into the overtime elite mm-hmm. league. Now, I do think that there are certain habits that they might have picked up, you know, just playing in this where they'll gamble for certain steals that they might not be available in in higher levels of basketball or, you know, take a playoff here or there because they are such superior athletes to, and they will be superior athletes even in the NBA, but mm-hmm. at this level, it's a, it's much more a significant. Um, so, I mean, obviously it wasn't the greatest position for them to be into in this year, but I think when you look at, what they did last summer, you know, playing against pros, they played against Marcus Gasol's, you know, team in the ACB. Um, they played in the TBT uh, against pros, that Creighton team, mm-hmm. performed well there. Um, and just the combination of stuff that we saw there, I think it's a good base to kind of build off of um, in the future. And then we also, you know, we saw Shaden Sharp, who is obviously different skill sets, but mm-hmm. we saw him go from prep, which is what I would say is, at the same level or a little bit lower than overtime depending on the game or, you know, what's going on. And he comes into the NBA and has pretty good success, you know, especially towards the end of the year, dropping 20, you know, nightly. So I think that we're getting more reference points to that level or like how it translates going forward. Mm -hmm. Um, And after them, I think we'll have even more to to a point that – we'll be able to even evaluate even further and better in the future from, you know, non or alternative non-college
2: avenues. Yeah. These these aren't, these aren't going away. Right.
1: Yeah. It it made me sad. Uh, You know, I'm a UK fan, so I was keeping tabs on my boy Rob and I think he like dropped like 30 something in the game one against them. And then they threw Amin and Osor at him the entire game. The next game, it's like, man, this ain't fair. They don't got nobody (laughs) else.
0: Yeah, yeah, I was actually just watching that game recently. Um, it's it's pretty tough for for somebody in that position when they when they get to going.
1: Mm-hmm, for sure. All right, well, hey, let's get back to the Thunder. Sorry, I went off on my <laughs> tangent there. Um, you know, we talked about prospects that might fall to us at 12, but, you know, there are always prospects that are going to rise out of that top 12 or out of the lottery range, you know, kind of into the lottery like a Jalen Williams did last year. Um, so if I was going to ask you some players that are currently outside of the lottery that you could see rising back up, who, who would you say?
0: Yeah, I think one player in particular who I could see kind of rising or surprising people over these next couple months. And I've been, you know, trying to, I've been doing some work trying to watch him a little bit more is Bilal Kulabali, who plays mess 92 with Victor women Yama. Um, especially for a Thunder team who values a lot of the same things that he brings to the table, you know, 6'6", athletic, he can make some plays off the dribble, he's shown high potential defensively. I think he is definitely somebody who could kind of surprise people. And, you know, you know, he he ends up getting picked at the 12th or 13th pick. um, Whereas he's been kind of mocked top 30, um, you know, the year or at least throughout the last several months as he's emerged um, you know, playing away from the junior club and uh, with the with the big team. Um, so he's definitely somebody who I can see you know being being that riser. I think a guy like Derek Lively is another one potentially in this sort of situation depending on what direction that they want to go in. Now he's not the most physically um, you know imposing dude in terms of like size or, or strength, but mm-hmm. depending on what the vision is as a high level shot blocker, Um, somebody who can finish plays and lobs. If you want to use Chet in a different way offensively and have him, you know, doing more, way more things, perimeter oriented, and, you know, kind of leaning into all that, then, you know, lively might be the guy as the, as the guy who attracts rim gravity and, and kind of finishes plays there. So I think he could be another guy who rises um as well but those would be some of the main ones maybe uh you know i know some people like jordan hawkins in late lottery Mm -hmm. at this point i think he could be a guy in that range um but yeah i wouldn't be surprised if like Gigi jackson rises back up um through workouts and everything just given his talent level um but you know i guess we'll see
2: yeah let me let me let me ask you real quick about Gigi jackson because here's the thing the thunder you know over the last couple years you know during this rebuild have been very you know one of the things that they look for is guys that are extremely young you know guys that they can bring into their program and kind of build them up and a, i think Gigi jackson is the youngest prospect in this draft is, is that mm-hmm. correct yep yeah so and he did he did pretty good in college you know he he has he has faults you know he, he does but again youngest player you know one of the youngest players in college when the youngest player in this draft Um, what, what about his game do you think maybe brought him down a a bit, but what about his game also impresses you to the point where you go, this guy's an NBA player. He's an NBA talent.
0: Yeah. So obviously the biggest appeal with him is he's six, nine, he's able to create shots on a perimeter and, you know, shoot and handle it a little bit and being able to, you know, hit just looking at his footwork and the, the ways that he's able to get certain spots and, you know, going toe to toe with a Brandon Miller in that game for a lot of it when he had 40 um, and just some of the special things that he can do as a shot maker um, at that size is really the the biggest appeal with him. And then over the course of the season, there's just been a lot of a lot more questions in, you know, what he does outside of that. Um, when the shot isn't falling, can you be consistent defensively um, and, and being able to, not only at the point of attack or on the ball, but being aware off the ball and making rotations and things of that nature, and also in his passing, his assist numbers were you know glaringly low. Uh, obviously, some of the situation had a lot to do with that, but being able to, to, to just find players and um, be a be somebody who fits well in the framework of an NBA offense when you're not the the focal point, you don't get to to take as many shots as as he did um that's kind of those are the main questions surrounding him um so it's kind of why there's such a disparity you might ask some one person they might still like him as a, a late lottery pick you might ask another and they think he's you know 27 27 28 29 has a kind of a home run swing um but yeah that's kind of the 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 summary of kind of who he is and you know you have you do have to Take into account that he should have been a high school senior this year, mm-hmm. um, and still performed fairly well in the SEC um, at that age. So that's definitely something team. I know teams are going to take into account as they you know make their decisions.
1: Yeah, I think it was Rafael Barlow that uh, kind of tweeted out during the. I think it was a McDonald's game that was like, you know, just thinking about how Gigi Jackson was supposed to be in this game and you know, based on kind of what we saw at that point, he he could have looked like the best player on the floor. So it just kind of puts into perspective, like, you know, the type of skill he has, but also like the age that he's at.
0: Right, for sure.
1: Uh, let's see here. So, you know, we kind of talked all about lottery range. Is there anybody in like fringe lotto late first round that you could see the Thunder trying to trade into to try to grab?
2: They trade back out?
1: Uh, Either trading back to get as opposed to, you know, picking in the lottery or doubling up and getting somebody else in the first round.
0: I feel like we talked about some of those guys who would, you know, maybe be like trade back candidates if they, if Hendricks and Walker were their guys or they, you know, just wanted to pivot and go in a different direction. Um, But more like late first, I think, I think somebody like, a Colby Jones or Mm -hmm. a Chris Murray, somebody who's kind of solid, you know what you're going to get out of them, be a more of an instant, contributor, a little bit older, play more years in college who can, you know, defend, you know, a few positions, um, you know, really fit within the framework of the offense shot the ball a lot better this year. Those are some guys who I could see them being, you know, targeting to kind of add to their team um, through the draft. I think, even going back, you know, before Ryan repair is a guy who I know a lot of people uh, are are big fans of. As uh, <laughs> I'm not a big fan, <laughs> and,
2: and Dylan is not. Dylan is not. Yeah,
0: I'm not. Relatively,
2: I am. I am. I, I, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think 12. I think 12 is too high yeah. for him. But if we were, if we were to get like a pick in like the 16 to 22 range, I think that would be perfect.
0: Yeah, I I'm a little bit lower relatively than where he's like been marked in that in that range. Um, I just think there's certain things he's going to have to work on. But I do think that he's a, it, like if they were to be like, hey, let's let's, you know, add a pick in here. Let's go get him at 27 for whoever is at that spot. I think that would be a really interesting pick, especially if they, you know, got Jairus Walker or Taylor Hendricks with their first pick mm-hmm. um, as a guy who you can kind of grow and develop um, long term. Um, but yeah, that would be, those would become some of the other guys in that
1: sort of late first round type of range. What about your boy, Maxwell Lewis? You think he could be a target?
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, it's kind of, I always think of certain players a little differently because in my mind, he's somebody who I would take it, you know, 17, 18, 19. So, um, but yeah, if he's there, that's, if I'm a team, I'm definitely looking to to kind of move some things in, and go get him uh, obviously for the, the, the right price or, you know, pick compensation, mm-hmm. but um, he's definitely on that list.
1: Yeah. Cause we have four first next year and uh, you ask anybody right now, you know, nobody likes next year's draft apparently. So, you know, it might be better off moving some of those to, you know, get exactly what you need and want in this draft.
0: Yeah. Also timeline wise too, just, Mm Kind of, we saw what they were capable of this year. Let's kind of speed that up a little bit. That could be a a direction that they go in for sure.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. All right. So um, I think we're pretty much done with the first round, but, and and I think this would be a great place for a commercial break. There you go. That that was, that was great. And we're back. (laughs) And we're back. <laughs> so, uh, moving on to the second round. So, we currently have. So, I'm I I do get a little bit confused because I do see in different places where they have our second round picks mocked all over the place. Um, but <clears throat> from Tankathon, which I'm you know I, I trust them pretty well, uh, we apparently have the 35th and the 37th picks. So, we have two pretty high second round picks. So, who are some prospects that you see in the in the upper part of the second round that could be a good fit for the Thunder, you know, maybe whether it's upside, whether it's, you know, another quantity, what, what do you think is are are some players that are some prospects that are good for the Thunder in that range?
0: Yeah, I, I think there's going to be, a lot of things that happen on draft night. So it's going to be hard to like predict who is actually going to be there, especially in that range. I think a lot of teams are just going to like, even last year when we saw Jaden Hardy go all the way to 37, when mm-hmm. pretty much everybody, yeah, you know, even the, even the people who didn't like him still thought that he was going to be like the 27th pick or, you know, somewhere in that range. Um, so it, it does get interesting on draft night. I do think a guy like, depending on what they do with the first pick, I think guys like James Najee, um, mm-hmm. I think De- Deron Holmes, Adem Bona, you know, these more athletic centers, guys who, you know, add a different element vertically um, that they haven't really had as a live threat. Um, I remember saying this, uh, you know, a couple years ago, but Josh Giddy wasn't playing with any live threats. And I was like, you know, once he gets into the NBA, gets to play with some live threats, he'll be able to, to shine even further in terms of his abilities as a pick and roll player. Uh, that still hasn't happened. <laughs> he's, no, uh, been and he's league. still not any
1: better at throwing <laughs>
0: lobs. <laughs> hey, I know. That was a, it was like a, hopefully once he got into that situation, he just had, he's never done it. Like he's mm-hmm. never had anybody. You watch the NBL nobody's like really getting up like that.
2: Yeah. No. But Thunder, were, Thunder yeah. were the worst team in the league for lobs. Yeah, for sure. Out.
0: If it, if it wasn't J Dub, I mean, there was pretty much nobody. very minimal chance. Yeah um so guys who can who can do that offensively and then you know bring a different element defensively being able to to guard different parts of the floor and also provide some backside rim protection you know with Chet maybe in that second unit maybe you play him in in Jay Will or, or Jeremiah Robinson or Earl depending you, you know gives you some some versatility in the front court um those would be some of my main targets uh at, at that point and then you've also got guys like like a a Julian Strather, who yes. I think is a um, you know, very solid prospect, somebody who can come in and, and knock down shots, get to his floater game, you know, be solid defensively, uh, especially in team defense situations. I think point of attack it will be um uh, a little bit more of a work in progress, mm-hmm. you know, throughout his career. But he's definitely a guy who I could see as a as a potential fit, not only with the Thunder, but with a lot of teams. Um and then you know, a guy like Andre Jackson Jr. Um, he's a kind of an interesting player, kind of difficult to sort of project to the NBA level because he can't shoot. Like sometimes, you know, he kind of he kind of wavers. But if you watch the NCAA tournament, you saw his impact, mm-hmm. his ability to you know defend, his athleticism, his ability to pass the ball and find guys. You know, he has a great feel for the game. I think he could be an interesting piece. For the Thunder, like kind of also mixing with those big playmakers and guys who can do a little bit of everything. Um, and also, you know, the shot isn't as much of a concern when you have a guy like Chip England in your organization. Um, so
1: he's he's another guy who I would like. And Chip, we trust, man. Yeah, I, I love Strother, you know, for all the reasons you said, but also, you know, he's got that, uh, um, he's got the familiarity with playing with Chet. Um, so right. that, that would be, you know, you know, n- nice little uh, comfort piece for not only Julian, but Chet as he enters in his first year in the NBA. So a little bit of familiarity there. Um, all right, man. So, you know, kind of getting out of just like, you know, who he you like here, who he you like there. Uh, I'm going to ask you based on our current projections at 12, 37. If I was to ask you. What was Let me, hey, let, let me,
2: let me ask one Gosh, more question. Gosh, man. About, about <laughs> so I'm sorry, destroyed. man. <laughs> I'm sorry. Let me ask one more question about the second because I I do think that the Thunder in as far as how they're constructing the roster and things like that. Um this would be a good opportunity to probably go ahead and maybe get a a draft and stash start type player. You know, we don't we don't see that as much as we used to in the past. But I th- I still think it's something that it's possible. So as far as the, the the names that I see around here, so I see, you know, Tristan uh Civic. And then i see seen Jurišić. So out of those guys, I mean, what do you, what do you know about those guys? And are they, are they guys that could possibly be drafted stash? Cause there's some draft, there's some Europeans that want to come over and want to come over immediately. Um, but there's others that are okay with getting drafted and then staying over for a year or two. So can you tell me a little bit about their games and maybe, you know, whether you've heard, whether they're coming over or whether they're actually going to go ahead and stay in the draft. Cause I know, that's another point of contention sometimes with uh, the with Euro players. And there's
1: others that, you know, say every year they're going to come over and then change their mind. <laughs> Shut up, <out>, Mitchich. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah,
0: so, like, Tristan Vukovic, he's a 6'10", you know, kind of that stretch or versatile four. You know, he can, he can really shoot it. He can make plays off the dribble. He hasn't got a lot of time, um, you know, recently yeah. on his team. Yeah. But, you know, what we've seen from him in the past, the last couple years, he's been always a, a potential draft candidate. And I think, at you know, around that area, he could be somebody who is definitely interesting as a as a draft and stash guy. Um Nikola Juricic, 6'8", is a guy who can, you know, really improved as a shooter over the course of the season percentage wise. I have always liked his mechanics. it just hasn't been there um in terms of splits. Um, but somebody who can can knock down a shot, get to the, the pull-up, can do some things off the dribble. Um, I don't think he's necessarily a point forward, and he was kind of described as that the last couple years. But, you know, he's definitely somebody who can make a play um, and do certain things. He's not a, a liability defensively, I would say. Um, neither is, you know, Vukcevic. So those are definitely two of the main candidates um, internationally who could, um, you know, come in and, and be drafted and stashed. Now, I, I'm not 100% sure you know, what their, their sort of feelings are on this, like where their comfort mm-hmm. comfort is or, you know, they're actually, I haven't actually looked at their contracts either. So that could be a, a potential thing that's, um, you know, teams are weighing as well, but uh, those are definitely two options.
1: Yep. That's definitely fair. And, you know, you, you always have the Josh Eustace rouse where uh, Presty does the domestic drafting stash. And, you know, draft somebody and, you know, kind of lets them, you know, play in the G League for a couple years before they bring them up. Hasn't done it's, it in a while. It's,
2: it's, it's possible. No, it was updated. It was updated. Oh, with, you can't do that uh, now? Our... No, 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 no. It was updated. Our our guy that we drafted, I think it was – I forgot his name. Oh, my gosh. Um, he got – we traded him to, to Atlanta.
1: Oh, V. Cratchy?
2: Cratchy. There we go, yeah. Yeah, we did that oh, with okay. him. He he was hurt. He was hurt. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. He didn't suck. He didn't suck like he, he was hurt. But
1: yeah. <laughs> oh, shout out Josh Jesus. We love it. All right, man. Well, hey, let's get into kind of our prediction section. So, um, if I was to ask you based on our current picks, 12, 35, 37, thirty-five thirty-seven. I'm not saying who do you think we're picking, but I'm asking you as a talent evaluator, knowing the Thunder, of what their team needs are, the direction they're headed. If you was to pick an ideal pick combination for those picks, who would they be?
0: Yeah. So I'm going to go with at 12, we're going to hope and pray Taylor Hendricks doesn't increase his stock anymore. I like he's the pick at 12. Um, Obviously we, you know, for all the reasons that we talked about, I think he, you know, works really well in that situation. Uh, I think at 35, we will go with Julian Strother.
2: Yes. As a shooter.
0: I'm loving um, this. Somebody who, you know, spaces the floor, gives you uh, an added element there. And as we've seen in the in the playoffs, those teams with uh some former college duos end, end up doing pretty well. So uh, you know, Fox and, and Mark, you go with Strother and Home Holmgren. So um you
2: got Josh we'll go there. and Jalen Brunson. Yeah that's, true that's the
0: other one that I first I was forgetting. Um so we can go with there, uh with uh Strather there. And then the next pick we will go with Deron Holmes, um, out of Dayton as a big man, like somebody who you know brings an element, could potentially, you know, stretch the floor even further. Um but yeah, that's the that's kind of the I guess the vision. Obviously, things on draft night are gonna go way different mm-hmm. than we think, but um I would be happy. There's a lot of other combinations I kind of you know thought about and listed out, but those would be
1: hey that's some deal was That's a long run sign me up like <laughs> put that on my roster today <laughs> um, right. yeah for sure uh, all right one more question before we kind of get into the fun stuff you know to, to wrap up the podcast if i were to ask you to give one bold prediction for the thunder in this draft what would it be
0: Bold prediction for the thunder in this draft I feel like at this point everybody kind of expects them to do the unexpected or the unconventional. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really do think that Jarius Walker and Taylor Hendricks are going to be high on their target list. Yeah. So I don't. It's, it's not really bold to say that. I think, you know, I don't necessarily think uh, the the Balau Kulabali thing is going to happen, but I think it's possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know what my bold prediction for the Thunder would be. I. Do you guys have
2: one? <laughs> Let me ask you this. Let me ask right. you this. How many picks in the top fourteen do they have at the end of the night? Mm.
0: That's a that's a good question. Um, I think I I would probably oh. just say one.
2: Over under one point five.
0: Yeah, I would go under okay. because I think the value might end, is going to probably end up being somewhere between. 16 to 22 and if they were to to want to swing like make another move that would be the area to do it mm-hmm. at.
1: okay yep that's fair for sure um yeah i mean i i want to say the same thing with jairus you know like you were saying and both the towers that was their thing one said we're going to trade up for jairus walker the other one said we're going to trade up to six for jairus walker so like you know, trying to get away from that <clears throat> if i was to give a bold prediction uh I don't know, man. I think I'd probably stick with uh, maybe not necessarily 12, but I think that Bill Al Koulibaly ends up on this team just because all the reasons you said, but like he checks every box for the Thunder in terms of like youth, just raw prospect, uh, the French pipeline, which Presti is has has in spades apparently over the past few years <laughs> and uh you know just just kind of racking up on you know some young talent to you know throw in the g league and kind of develop and you know watch them grow so yeah I, i'd probably say that we end up with black cool Bali. that'd be my bold
2: prediction or or like the call french macau bridges hey
1: mm.
0: hey you know Maybe the maybe the bold prediction is they, they go with uh, one of the Frenchmen who's not Wimby, you know, uh, whether that's Koulibaly, C.D. Sissoko, mm-hmm. or, you know, Ryan repair Maybe that's the, the thing that you yeah, –
2: You
1: have in the on. first half. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> God, I, I, I don't – like, man, like, it's nothing against those guys. Like, if they search their mentions, they're going to think I hate them as people. It's nothing against <laughs> them. I'm just tired of getting people that can't shoot and, like – don't project to shoot and repair and Anthony black. I keep seeing thunder fans want them. And I'm like, please stop. Just please stop.
2: Yeah. I think the, the Anthony this man, Black. this man makes it seem like, this man makes it seem like Isaiah Joe has been on the scene <laughs> for ages. Like we get one year of great Isaiah Joe. And he's like, oh, I'm so tired of people who cannot shoot at all. Like
0: Yeah. I mean, most of the, most of the team couldn't shoot uh, at a certain point. That's um, why I'm sick of it. Keandre. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the Anthony black thing is interesting just quickly because I've seen a lot of thunder, you know, people and fans mm-hmm. want him, I think it's redundant. I don't think he necessarily fits with what they like to do. You already have Shay, one of the best offense players in the league. You have giddy who is at his best, obviously with the ball. He's getting better, you mm-hmm. know, and knocking out shots and being, um, a cutter or whatever. But, and then you also have J dub who we saw as a primary do what he did, he could do and, you know, want to explore what he can do, um, in that way, so I think Anthony Black would be kind of pushed to the background in a way that wouldn't necessarily maximize what he does best. Yeah, um,
1: I'm right there with you, man. That's that's what that's what I'm saying. Like people got to listen to us, yeah. Andre. Uh, <laughs> all right, man. Let's get into the the fun stuff, and we'll. We'll wrap this up. So I did superlatives last year, but this year I'm gonna like keep track of the superlatives. And at the end of our draft coverage, I'm actually gonna award each player who had the most votes for each superlative. So uh, you're on the clock here, man. Best athlete in the draft.
0: Best athlete in the draft. Amin Thompson.
1: Okay. Best shooter in yep. the draft.
0: Best shooter in the draft. That one is tough. That one's tough. I'm gonna go with. I'm gonna go with Grady Dick. I think that he, you know, his size, you know, combination being able to, we've seen it sample size over, you know, at Sunrise this year, Kansas. He'd be my pick. Jordan Hawkins is very close, though.
1: I respect it. Best passer in the draft.
0: Best passer in the draft. I would probably go with Amin Thompson again on that.
1: Okay. Uh, best finisher in the draft.
0: Best finisher in the draft. That's a tough one, because I'm thinking long term on that.
1: I think I'm gonna go with
0: Cam. Mm.
1: Ooh, stop himself. Mid name. I think I'm gonna go with Cam Whitmore. Okay, Cam Whitmore. <laughs> All right. Best perimeter defender. Best perimeter defender. Casey Wallace. Let's go, Keyontre. Let's
0: go. You know my that one's that one's tough, but I'm going with Casey.
1: Man, he's a dog. I can go on about Casey for a while. Anyway, <laughs> uh, best interior defender. Could, could, could you? See, could you? Could you see that? Oh, go ahead.
2: No, I was just going to say, could you see the Thunder uh, possibly getting Casey Wallace?
0: Um. Yeah, I think I think he could. End up making something happen. I mean, you have Lou Dort who kind of would serve a similar role. Um, but so I a think a
2: department that, of redundancy going on here with that? Uh, not
0: necessarily because I think they could like all fit together. Like him, okay. he compl- he's a very easy complimentary player to a lot of people just because he can shoot, he's you know, solid off the ball, he can make quick decisions. But, um, yeah, it would just be I feel like there might end up being other options there.
1: Yeah, I feel like if we took Case and it's because you know those positional big fours are out of the way and you're trying to get somebody to maybe fill in that. As I said in the last podcast, put the feet to Trey Man's fire. I meant the fire to Trey Man's feet and (laughs) try to try to you know ignite him to you know do a little bit better. But yeah, I love Case Wallace because I think he has so much more to show, as we've seen in every Kentucky guard coming into the draft. Uh, and we've already seen what he can do defensively. So I- I'm done raving about him. Best interior defender, Keonta or Keandro. Best
0: interior, de- best interior defender. I mean, I think you have to go with Victor Wimbayama. I mean, just to... ah
1: yeah. See, I-, I did say, I did say. I'm sorry. Cal- caveat, like this is besides okay. Wimby because you could okay. you could do half the categories for him.
0: Yeah, um, besides Wimby, best interior defender. Um, We'll go Jairus Walker. Was um,
1: it? Yeah. All right. Highest IQ.
0: Highest IQ. That is a tough one. I think. Hmm. Because there's a lot of ways you can kind of. You can kind of think about this, because like I think a lot of the stuff that actually you know best interior defender we could go with Derek Lively on that. We switched okay. my vote. Um, but in terms of highest IQ or feel, man. Do you have more he of
2: these? Don't they talk about a sword? Don't they talk about a sword being a high IQ
0: player? He's he's up there, definitely. I just feel like there's, like, so many ways you could slice this because I think what Kaysen does defensively is, you know – we don't think about it necessarily that, that. way we, we, we always think about like passing or you know mm-hmm. uh making plays that way but i feel yeah, like you're gonna you...
1: interpret it man yeah if you gonna say K, <laughs> i'm not gonna stop you from saying case. So uh, um
0: we'll go with uh we'll go with uh
1: anthony black i think that he's man you he's just teased there. me like that that's crazy <laughs> All right, that's fair. I mean, Case
0: and Anthony Black, you can go with, you know, even Grady in some ways, um, the Thompson Twins in some ways as well, just some of the things they do in the passes, and transition. Okay. It's, it's a hard – like, you can interpret that so many ways than, like, three-point shooting or you know, mm-hmm. passing.
1: Well, I did have a highest IQ and a highest feel, so if that helps you differentiate or if it blurs the lines, we can just skip it.
0: Well, is that the next question? Yeah, yeah. Highest feel – We'll go with the Sar Thompson.
1: Okay. I like it. All right. Two more on superior. Highest floor. Highest floor. Highest floor. Um
0: I think I'll say Brandon Miller. I think that's a part of the reason I like him. Um, yeah. as a player. I think I think that you know, six nine being able to shoot in the ways that he does and make plays, uh, he's going to contribute. It's just about like the creation, get Mm -hmm. into that next step.
1: Absolutely, man. All right, last one, deepest bag.
0: Deepest bag. I like this question. This is my alley right here. Um,
1: Deepest bag. We know next year's Rob Dillingham, so (laughs) get ready for next year, but go ahead. Right. Um, Deepest
0: bag. Give me Cody. Other years – yeah, uh, he. Ha- I- I'm interested to see what he does at uh at Colorado. Um, other years, I feel like this is a a very an easier question to answer. There's a lot of like lead, go- like even like Scoot doesn't like necessarily do a ton off the dribble. He's very simple to the point. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: Straight line drives.
0: Yeah, uh, man, I'm I'm afraid I'm gonna forget somebody. Do
1: you have a pick for this while well, I think? I, 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 I can't remember who they said. I think they said somebody like uh, Sasser or Mike mm. Miles. Something like
0: that. I was gonna say Mike Miles. Um,
1: yeah, I think it was one of those veteran guards.
0: Yeah, we can go with we can go with Mike Miles there. I. I think that I think I like that.
1: All right, Rob with the shifts next year, man. Get ready for it. Uh, all right, start bench cut, and this this is this is the fun section. You know, start bench cut very prevalent conversation in basketball discussion. So let's get into it. Here we go. I'm in. I saw Cam Whitmore.
0: I'm gonna start. I'm gonna start. I'm in. I'm gonna. St- Starting in, I'm going to bench Cam. I'm going to cut a star, but it's very close between those last two. All They're right. all very close,
1: but yeah. Yeah, yeah. Some some of these are going to make you hurt. I'm just going to warn you. Um so we got Taylor Hendricks, Jarris Walker, Anthony Black.
2: Mm.
0: That is tough. Wow. Th- Cuz I've been really kind of debating where I actually rank these three specifically. I think I'll start Jairus Walker at the moment. I will – I'll bench Anthony Black, and I'll have to cut Taylor Hendricks. But yeah, they are within four spots on my board I'm looking at right now.
2: Very fluid.
1: All right. All right. Uh, I have a feeling I know where this one's going on, on your start, but we got uh, Jet Howard, Grady Dick, Jordan Hawkins.
0: Yeah, so I'm gonna start Grady Dick. I am going to. This is tough too. These I like both of these players a lot. Um, I'm gonna bench Jed Howard. I'm gonna have to cut Jordan Hawkins. Um, I do think that's unpopular at this point. I think people are kind of soured on Jed Howard, and obviously Jordan Hawkins goes on to win a national championship. But that's that's where I'll go.
1: Yeah, a lot of people sleep on jet Howard because he dealt with a lot of injuries uh, there at the end. And, you know, obviously it's that, – that'll affect your shooting. But, yeah, I, I'm with you, man. I, I think Jet Howard has a, has a lot more to show. Uh, all right, let's say here. Uh, so, my guy, Kaysen Wallace, Keontae George, his Hescofino.
0: Kaysen Wallace, Keontae George, Cafino. Um, I'll start Kaysen. I will – I'll bench Keontae, cut Jalen Shafino. Again, very, very close Mm -hmm. between those two. Definitely a lot different as players, but um, similar potential-like positions.
1: Yep, that's fair. All right, this is going to be interesting. Uh, I'm interested to see where you go with this. Rayon Rupair, Gigi Jackson, Maxwell Lewis.
0: Yeah, so I will start Max Lewis. I will bench Gigi Jackson. I'll cut Ryan Repair. Um, yes, yeah.
1: he should be. I'm just kidding. <laughs>
0: I'm just kidding. you gonna, you gonna. As much as you talk about it, they're gonna <laughs> kick him as well. But you're just gonna have to, to
1: live with that one. I'll, I'll cry. I I will shed tears. <laughs> All right. Uh, Winter Miller, C.D. kisoko Bilal, Kulabali.
0: Yeah, this is this is a good one too. I will. Start below Koulibaly, let's go bench CD Sissoko and cut Leonard Miller. I, I still like all of them in a similar sort of range, but mm-hmm. um, I, I'm a bigger fan of city than where he's like mocked in like the, the 30s at this point.
1: Yeah, Leonard Miller is actually number one on Alex's board
2: for like the past two years. <laughs> <laughs> yes give me give me a big wing wing defender give me you know give me jared vanderbilt or or uh what's his name uh the guy that broke his hand jay in mcdaniels Minnesota. Uh, yeah jay mcdaniels
1: i like it i like it all right we got a we got a couple more here so we got kobe buffkin kobe jones marcus sasser
0: kobe buffkin kobe jones marcus sasser I think we'll just go in that order. Start Kobe, bench Kobe. Cut Marcus Sesser.
1: Okay. All right. Julian Strother, Jalen Wilson, Mike Miles.
0: We'll definitely start Julian Strother. I will bench Mike Miles and have to cut Jalen Wilson. It's my guy. I like him. I like his game. KU, but you know, that's you gave me three
1: options. (laughs) Got to make it tough, man. Got to make it tough. Well, hey, it doesn't get easier here. Chet Holmgren, Victor Wimbanyama, Evan Mobley. Ooh, this is now. This one is this is a
0: this is one of the ones (laughs) right here. Um, I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to start Victor Wimbanyama. And then we've got Chet and Evan Mobley. Obviously, Chet hasn't played.
2: Man.
1: He can cause this man to cut Chet, man. <laughs> well, he, he can interpret it either way he wants to.
0: Yeah, I think. Well, I'm not, I'm not, I haven't made my decision. But yeah, calm down, Alex. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to have to bench Evan Mobley and cut Chet just because we haven't seen him play. That's fair. At this certain point. But as prospects, mm-hmm. I think I might go Chet and then, you know, have to cut Evan Mobley.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. See, that's the interpretation I'm talking about, Alex. Just let it play yeah, out, yeah. man. Gosh. Yeah, all right, yeah.
2: uh, all right. This, I mean, it just it, it does hurt. These hurt.
1: Well,
2: this it form. could
0: very it could change very quickly. And October comes around and sets out there yeah. hitting uh, pull up jumpers.
1: Step step back. Hey, there he reworked his jumper, man. So we'll see. All right, last one. This this one was p- proposed by a certain Kevin O'Connor. Uh, Shay Gildas Alexander, De'Aaron Fox, John Morant.
0: Ooh, that's that's tough. I think I think I did see this one on Twitter. Um. Ooh, um, <laughs> dang. Gotta go I, I think I'm gonna. Yeah, I think I'll have to start Shay. I just think that he's. They're all really dynamic, but I like the mm-hmm. the his ability to get to the basket and everything like just his, his overall gravity as a score. I'll have to bench John Morant and cut De'Aaron Fox, which sucks because I like De'Aaron Fox a lot. And mm-hmm. right now he's playing very well, even through the injury, but yeah.
1: hey, I, we're we we are never going to, you know, be mad at you for starting Shea, uh in any grouping. So, uh, you know, whether you were pandering or not, we, we, won't, we won't, you know, go over that. But, uh, yeah, very happy with those results. Uh, Keandre, man, uh, we've gone a little bit over. I apologize for that. But thank you so much okay. for coming on. Always appreciate you coming on. Always have a great time. Always learn so much whenever you come on here. Uh, your videos are like a staple of NBA Draft YouTube. You know, a lot of people listen to podcasts, but some people like the visuals. And I mean, you were one of the pioneers for your NBA Draft visuals. So you've been killing it. Keep killing it. I'm going to give you a chance to go ahead and plug your stuff.
2: Yeah. I always, so I, I I always feel like a big brother whenever you come <laughs> on. Maybe. I feel like I feel like I was just you know I was scouring YouTube and I was like man, this kid right here, man, like, he, he knows his stuff, man, he knows his stuff, and this is back when you had, like, I think maybe, like, 8,000, 9,000 subscribers, or something like that, and I was like, this kid knows his stuff, and I was like, hey, let me, let me, let me message him, let me find him on Twitter, and message him, and I found you, and then, and then, boom, man, so, just keep doing what you're doing, man, I'm very proud of you, I'm very proud of the of of what you've become and how you keep on grinding, how you keep on going. So I just wanted to say that before before we head off, you know, into the sunset.
0: <laughs> yeah, for sure, man. I appreciate it. Um a lot of the people who, you know, kind of got in on, you know, what I was doing early, I always appreciate them for you know bringing me on the podcast or, you know, just sharing it with the next person, um, getting helping getting me to the the place that I'm at, you know, now. Um, but yeah, you know, you can find me on YouTube, Hoop Elect. Um down the line I'll hopefully be posting a little bit more draft content on Twitter um, at Hooping Elect with three L's and then, you know, some things on, on Instagram potentially um, depending on where I'm I'm at in the world at the time. So yeah, that's where you can find me. A lot of more uh, draft scouting videos coming uh, over the next several weeks and months. And, and um, as we get closer to draft time and big boards, mock drafts, all that good stuff. So definitely appreciate you guys for having me on and, and yeah.
2: For sure, this man. Is, this and, is when this is when this man gets into his bag. Yeah, absolutely. We now we've got to get
1: that hoop intellect account for you on Twitter, like the one with two L's. Like, <laughs> like we 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 got to track it down for you. It's been too long. He, he actually followed me back at some
2: no.
0: point, um, <laughs> so it could be a
1: possibility. But you know, it is what it is at this point. Yeah, uh, you're riding with it, right? yeah that's how you got here so hey i understand man but hey keandre once again thank you keep killing it look forward to talking to you again next year um as we always do and uh yeah man on behalf of myself alex keandre here hope everybody has a great night god bless hoop when you can and as always thunder up thunder up keandre you can say it if you want to (laughs) thunder up yes